0: morning, my beloved Orangewood. How's everybody this morning? This is uh, one of our busiest Sundays. Uh, this is a Sunday where we launched our latest Discovering Orangewood. Many of you are in that. Oh, welcome. We're so glad you're in that in our different classes. So, wow, it's great to be together. It's always uh, nervous for me when we launch our Sunday series to think, is anybody going to come to the early service? Is it going to be me and no one else? Actually, we had a crowd, which was wonderful, but it is Great being with you. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me uh, to the back of your Bibles to 2 Peter, we're going to look at a couple of verses today at uh, the beginning and end of 2 Peter that help us to understand God's desire for you and for me to grow. We're in a series called Here is the Church, and uh, we started our fall looking at the church, and the first thing we discovered is this You're it. Uh, the church is not a building, it's not a structure. The church, according to God's word, are those who have been called out of darkness and called into his marvelous light. As a matter of fact, the interesting Greek word that's used to describe church is called out. That's who we are. By God's mercy, by God's grace, he loves sinners like you and me. And he's calling us out of everything that's dark, everything that's lifeless, Everything that just takes away from who we are and calls us into this amazing, loving relationship with Him. But as we looked at the church and it, we are it, we want to know well, what do we do? So we've looked at we are the church and we worship together. Of all the things that we do as a church, important things like mercy ministries and missions and evangelism, the most important thing is, is we worship. You see, we worship because we were created to worship the God who is and boy does He deserve it for who He is and Does he deserve it for what he has done? Of all the things the church does, most things are going to stop. When we see him face to face, we're no longer going to need mercy ministries and evangelism. The cool thing is, we're never going to stop worshiping. We're going to continue to worship. And guess what? We're not going to have to worship anymore by faith. We're going to worship by sight. And he will be with us. Last week, we looked at church leadership and how God calls us to leadership. And today, we're going to look at how desires to have us grow, church growth. And what does it mean to grow and to grow together? I've heard it said that a parent is only as happy and healthy as their least happy and healthy child. And I found that to be true. I found out it is parents who just love their children. Uh, When their children are hurting, they're hurting. And they usually can't rise above the bar of their least happy or, or healthy child. I think that's true for all of us. I mean, every every parent has hopes and dreams for their kids, right? I mean, all of us, and for our grandkids, and, and just those we love, our, our hopes and dreams are these, is that that they grow. That they would grow in all areas of life. They develop in all areas of life. They grow physically. They grow emotionally. They grow socially. And for those of us that are gods, that are Christians, we hope most of all that they they grow spiritually. And when your child isn't growing in in one of those areas, and maybe the rest that they're doing well, but even just one of those areas, it's kind of heartbreaking. Some of you are sitting in that heartbreak right now. Some of you have seen that with your kids or your grandkids or, or nieces or nephews or people in your life that you know that, that you see just, just aren't flourishing in certain ways and just not growing and you're longing for them to grow. Well, the Bible tells us and experience has proven that we live in a fallen world. We live in a dangerous place. We live in a place. It's, it's hard to grow. It's, it's hard to flourish and, and everything's been affected. There's nothing that you haven't seen. There's nothing that you haven't experienced, even right now, that hasn't been affected by the fall and sin. It's really kept us from growing and and flourishing like we'd long to grow and flourish. We see that desire that you have and the desire I have for growth. It's it's a reflection of our Heavenly Father's desire. We have that desire because He gave it to us. And He has that desire. you got to hear this. This is true. God's desire for you is to grow. God's will for you is to flourish. God's desire for you. and Now, he, he'll define growth and he'll define flourishing under his banner. But there's not one of you who sits here that God isn't looking at right now and saying, I don't want them to grow. I don't want them to flourish. And the amazing thing about who God is and the work of His Son is that Scripture tells us that everything we need to grow, everything we need for for life and for godliness, He's provided for us. And specifically, God has given us life. I mean, we've been created in His image, and He's so graciously given us life. And for those of us who are Christians, He's recreated us. He's made us new through the work of his His Son, Jesus Christ. Now we have life and life abundantly. But God has never given a life that he doesn't say, now grow. Even for us Christians. There's two areas that he calls us to grow we're going to see. He says, I want you to grow in grace. God's unmerited favor. I want you to grow in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I also want you to grow in knowledge. I want you to grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just as we see that growth in one area without the other way, other area is unhealthy growth. If some have just growth and physical growth, but not spiritual or emotional or social growth, it's kind of tragic. And for us to grow as God intended, we got to grow in both of these two key areas. Grow, grow in grace. What does that mean? We're going to unpack that. And grow in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look to God who has called us to grow uh, specifically in this these two key areas, to be healthy as he intended us to be. And I'm going to look at two verses. It's uh, These two verses wonderfully bracket this entire letter. They basically say the same thing. And you can see the whole meaning of this letter in this these two verses. Let's hear God's holy word written a long time ago. But because inspired by the Holy Spirit, it will never lead us astray. It's without error in the original. But most importantly, it's for you. It's for me. This is a word that God wants to speak to you today to help encourage you to grow. Let's hear God's word. Second Peter chapter one, verse two. And then we're going to look at the very last verse, chapter three, verse 18. Let's start in the beginning. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. He begins that way and ends this way in verse 18 of chapter 3. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. i got to stop and say, what an amazing description. He calls us to grow in grace and knowledge, but did you see the way he described Jesus I mean, we read that sometimes as religious people and they just sound like religious words. But let's look again what this really says. Grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord, that Jesus has the right of our lives. He's Lord of lords and King of kings and is our Savior, that Jesus has rescued us from our sins. He's the only Savior for the world and in his name and through his work, we sinners can be saved. Jesus, his very name means Savior. And the Christ, His title, the anointed King that was to come. Grow in the grace and knowledge of that Lord, that Savior, Jesus Christ. Why? To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Those words are scandalous to some. Because what is being said there is to Jesus. To Jesus be given what God and God alone be given, glory to Jesus be given glory, majesty, and dominion now and forever, because why, he truly is God in flesh. Let us pray. And Father, we thank you that you have given us life. Life in your image, and because of that, it's precious. For every single person, those who know you and those who don't, you and you alone gave a gift of life too. But God, we thank you for this new life this recreated life that You have given to us through the life and death and resurrection of Your Son, Jesus. And we thank You that this is life and life eternal, and this is life and life abundant. But God, this is a life, and all things that are living should grow. And You've called us to grow. And specifically, You've called us to grow to be more like Your Son, Jesus. And so because of that reality, because we are yours by creation and recreation, and because we are here gathered in your name and to you be glory, because we want to grow in, in grace and grow in knowledge, I ask that you would do that which only you can do, that you would speak through a broken sinner like me who desperately needs your grace, and who desperately needs to grow in the knowledge of Jesus. That God, that you be with us through the preaching of your way, your word in a way that you give us ears to hear your voice. That God, you give us minds to understand your will and your word. Your word that's revealed, your will that's revealed through your will for our growth. And that, Father, that by your grace, the grace of your Son and Spirit, that you give each one of us, every one of us hearts to believe. Hearts to love. Because if we, whatever we learn about you, if it doesn't affect our our hearts and how we love you, it's useless. So God, come and speak in such a tender, loving way that we want to know you more because we love you best. And God, I pray that you'd empower our feet to walk in a manner worthy of your name, that we walk out of here filled with grace, Filled with grace, understanding what it means to grow in grace and grow in our knowledge of Jesus so that we can imitate him for your glory and our good. God, the things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are said that are true, that contain the good news of Jesus, would you use those things to make us more like him? And it's in his name we pray, amen. In this passage, it's very clear that God's will for us, each and every one of us, is to grow. And it's to grow in two specific areas. It's to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What's really interesting about this is, is this call to grow in Jesus is really a call to become more like him. Listen to this. Watch this. Because if we're called to grow in grace in Jesus, grace is the one found in Jesus. He is the one that's full of grace. If we're called to grow in our knowledge of Jesus, he's the one that's filled with truth. I think of the Gospel of John, uh, an incredible gospel that God has given to us uh, that tells us about Jesus right from the beginning. He tells us something special about Jesus in the beginning of that gospel. He says that Jesus is God Uh, He is the word of God, that he was with God in the beginning. He's eternal, that all things were created by Jesus, that nothing was created that wasn't created by Jesus. And then it says in chapter 1, verse 14, that this word of God became flesh. I mean, eternal God put on flesh, became man. Incredible. God stayed God, became man, and he dwelt among us. That, That Jesus actually walked among his people. How loving is God? But he tells us even more in that passage. He says, this Jesus, he is full of grace. This Jesus, he is full of truth. That if God's calling us to grow in grace, it's from his fullness that we must receive. If we grow in knowledge, it's from his truth that we must be shaped. And right there in John 1, it, it says right after that in verse 17, that, that Moses, Moses, the most important prophet of the Old Testament, he had a very important job. He gave us the law of God. But he said Moses gave us the law, but Jesus, but through Jesus we received grace and truth. It's incredible what this is saying is it's saying to us basically that it's not enough that you know about God. It's not enough that you memorize scripture. It's it's not enough that that God's word is a part of your life. Because knowledge apart from grace is Useless. Grace, apart from knowledge, doesn't do anything. And yet in the two, we find meat in Christ Jesus. And we are thus to grow in grace and knowledge of our of Jesus Christ. It's the only way for us to properly grow. How do we do that? In your bulletin, you'll find an outline. We're going to look at these three things. The first one is this. Grow in your standing with, with Jesus. When it says grow in grace... It's really saying grow in your standing. What it means to be in Christ, being in Christ. It, you really, on the surface, this is kind of an interesting thought that God is call, calling us to grow in grace. What is grace? It's God's unmerited favor. Well, if grace is God's unmerited favor, how do I grow in that? It's to realize as Christians... That our standing is all by God's grace in Christ Jesus. Let's just hit pause. This is the good news. No, no, no. This is the really good news. This is this is the heartbeat of the Bible. This is the grace of God. And here's what it is. The good news of the gospel is not what you and I do for God to be accepted. The good news of the Bible is what God has done for us to be accepted and loved in Christ Jesus that our standing is now and forever will be in him. This is really good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ is God's grace to us. Is it now that, that the God the Father loves us? Not because we do good things. Not because we try hard. It's not, listen, it's not because of who you are or what you do. Christianity and the gospel is is being accepted in who Jesus is, full of grace and truth, and what Jesus has done, living a perfect, obedient life to satisfy a holy God, dying a death that we deserve, and being resurrected. And now we find our standing in him alone. The Bible says that if we are in Christ, which means if we've, by God's grace, placed our trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he says we're not guilty. He says that a holy God will look on us and he will declare as a righteous judge that you and me are not guilty. How can he do that? Does this mean that God doesn't care about sin and somehow he looks away and says, ah, oh, it's no big deal. I'll just kind of forget that. I'm gracious and merciful. Never for a nanosecond. Holy God, still holy God. The only way, the only way that God can call you, me, not guilty, and not just wreck His holiness. is through the, through the death of His Son, the perfect spotless Lamb. And Because of that death on the cross, because of His righteousness, because of that resurrection, we now are forever declared not guilty in God's sight. Grow in the grace of understanding what that means. Here's the reality. Hmm. Grace, God's unmerited favor, It leads to the fact of this. If you are in Christ, you ready for this? Your standing will never change. Your standing in Christ Jesus is the same on your worst day as it is on your best day. Your standing in Christ Jesus doesn't go up and down like everything else in our lives. Why? Because it's in the unchanging work of the Lamb of God. And the reality is that's forever true. So when he says to us, I want you to grow in the unmerited favor, and I want you to grow in a standing that will never change. I think all of us should step back and say, what does that mean? How do I grow? How do I grow in something I don't deserve and something I just get by God's grace? And how do I grow in a position that will never change? Well, I think it's in two ways specifically. One is we grow in grace is when we realize that everything we have, everything we will ever have is completely by the grace of God. You've earned none of it. You and I deserve none of it. We, we as, as Christians, those who are called out of darkness into his marvelous light, the theme of our life should be this amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me. And I had no hope. I'm lost. I'm blind except for by his grace. And I stand here in Christ Jesus in a standing I will never lose. What does it mean to grow in grace? Well, it means this. It means that you and I are now to take the truth of the gospel, and we are to apply it. We are to massage it. We are to hammer it into every single area of our life. Every area of our life should declare that Jesus is king. Every area of our lives should declare that Jesus is Lord. He is our Savior. He is our identity. The beautiful thing about Christianity is is this. It begins with God's grace. The incredible thing about Christianity is this. It continues by God's grace. And the beautiful thing about Christianity is we're going to make it home by God's grace. It never stops being about grace for one single second. It's all amazing. Well, how do we grow in grace? We we rest in the gospel in all areas of our life. We realize that what Christ has done, it's made us free. It's made us alive. It's realizing that all that God required from us, God has provided for us. It realizes that heaven has been thrown open by his grace through the work of his son alone. And our acceptance in him will never change. So how do you hammer that in your life? I'm gonna tell you two areas. It's two areas of your identity. in grace, it's through your failures and through your successes are probably the areas that need the gospel of grace the most, that you need to grow in. Let's be specific. How is it with your failures? Are they your identity? How is it with your failures? Is that what's telling you who you are and what you have done and what your worth is? I mean, you're a broken sinner. You're gonna forever wander just like me. But the good news of the gospel and growing in grace is taking the reality that Jesus is enough. His work was sufficient. It's greater than your failures and it's greater than your shame. Jesus should identify you. His blood and righteousness alone, not your failures, not your shame. And when you live your life with your head down of of all that you're not and all that you still stumble to be and you don't let the gospel give you victory and you drink the Kool-Aid that tells you that you're not good enough, grow in grace. Grow in grace if you're a child of the king. Because your standing before God will never be your failures. Those were nailed to the cross, my brothers and sisters. Those were paid. Those are done. He brought shame to those on the cross by covering it with his blood, and he robes you with his righteousness, and now he says, you're just free. You want to take the gospel and grow in grace as every failure that whispers to you, you tell the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Repent and believe and be free. But it's not just your failures, it's your successes. Somehow somehow, with Christianity we think, okay, we got to get jump-started with God's grace, and then we we motor along on our own strength. And maybe at the end of the day we'll stand before God and say, we have something to barter with. Didn't I do good? Didn't I didn't I tithe enough money and give enough? And and, and didn't I scripture memory enough? And didn't I do all these things? He said, No, those are like, those are repugnant in my sight apart from Christ. I can't tell you how many times I want to find my identity on my own apart from Christ Jesus and how I have to repent from even my successes and say, Bring the gospel there. Because may my identity not be of who I am as a pastor or a preacher. Or may my identity be alone in Christ Jesus. And you gotta know this as your pastor. I pray that every Sunday. And you gotta know I agonize with that. Because the reality is, is I, I, I'll feel good or bad about myself of how this goes right here. And applying the gospel and growing in grace Says I could preach a lousy, stinking sermon that's put you all to sleep. And be loved by my king. That's my struggle. What's yours? Where do you need to grow in grace? Where does shame give you your identity? It shouldn't, Christian. Where does your failure just give you your identity? It shouldn't, Christian. Where does your success give you your identity? It shouldn't, Christian. Repent and believe and grow in grace. Secondly, grow in your understanding of Jesus. This is basically saying that we, we need to become more like him. We, we stand by God's grace. In the beloved, and now we become more like the beloved. I've kind of gotten into this Instagram thing. I, I like social media. I could tell everybody what I'm doing, thinking that they all care. And I love Thursdays. Thursdays are my favorite. Hashtag TBT, right? Some of you are like, what you're talking about? You, you're not cool. You're not hip. You're not there. Thursdays, throwback Thursdays. And Throwback Thursdays means that you could post a picture of something that's happened a while ago and try to let people know, hey, this is what used to happen. I remember a few weeks ago I pictured, I posted a a TBT, Throwback Thursday picture of Katie and me when we were dating in college on the beach. I had some friends look at that and say, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. (laughs) You've let yourself go and it's just not, it's not, it's not good. This last Thursday, I couldn't wait to post the one that's about a picture of my grandma and me. My grandma Blakeman and me, uh, it sits on my desk. It's a picture that my mom gave me of her mom and I'm hugging my grandma. And this is the woman that every day of her life that I was alive, she prayed for me. And not only she prayed for me, but my earliest memories of her tossing my hair and praying that I'll be a preacher someday. And long before I thought of it, or long before I wanted it, I just realized, and she never knew that I would become that here on earth. I'm sure she knows in glory, but she prayed me into this job, and the prayers of a righteous woman availeth much. And so I was able to post this on on Instagram and say, here's, here's the woman that prayed me into the ministry. And some of you said, amen, and some of you said, man, I can't believe that. But anyway, but... The reality is, as people saw it, and some people who knew our daughter, Jessie, our oldest daughter, Jessie, they started chiming in. They could leave a comment, and they said, it's amazing how much you look like Jessie. And when you're kind of that age, it's amazing the family resemblance. You know how much joy that brings to a parent that there's a family reflection of looking alike and acting alike? See, that's what God wants. You see, God's children are, are to reflect the family image. We're, we're to grow to be more like Jesus so so that He's seen more in us. I and mean, Here's the beauty of growing in the knowledge of Jesus. As, as we grow, the world can see saying, man, I see the family resemblance. That Lord, that Savior, that Jesus. You look more and more like Him. Second Peter 1.8 says that we can have knowledge we can have knowledge of Jesus that, you're ready for this, that's not fruitful, that's ineffective. We can have knowledge of him that's ineffective or not fruitful. Why? What does that mean? It's knowledge of Jesus that doesn't reflect who he is. It's knowledge of Jesus that people will look and say, I don't see him at all. Second Peter 3, 3 through 11. Let me read this to you. It's an incredible passage. We read verse 2 and we ended with the last Verse And and this is what it says right after verse two about growing and multiplying in our knowledge and grace, the grace and knowledge of of God through Jesus. He says this in verse three, his divine power has granted to us, (laughs) these are hard words, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It's basically saying everything we need to live life and life in a godly manner has been given to us. Through the knowledge of Him who called, called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, that, that God has given us all we need to become more like Jesus, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort... Because of the reality of what Christ has done for you and where we stand, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgot that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling, your standing and election. For if you practice these qualities, you'll never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God says, I want you to look like My son, you stand in him and he's beloved. And I want you to look like him by imitating him because you are dearly loved children, Ephesians 5.1. I want you to do everything because you love him, because he first loved you and be compelled by the love of Christ. I want you to become more like him and and grow in these areas because I want you to reflect who he is and, and I want you to represent him. I want you to grow because I want you to be more fully alive. Every Tuesday, the first of the Tuesday, we gather as a worship staff up in our, our youth space and, and we worship and we pray and we pray for you. Um, and we, we were reminded of a great God who loves us and and what God's called us to the church. And as, as we got done and I was coming down the back stairs of our youth facility, I, I was just struck with how many students were out on the field. And I wasn't really thinking about them, but I just kind of saw them out there. And, and, I, and I saw some games that was playing. Right right by the staircase was a little game going on. I just got a glimpse of who was playing and who was standing and watching. And I thought this. I said, if I could just tell every one of the 700 and some odd students that are here at OCS and, and the 130 or so, 120 of MCP, if I could tell them just one thing, what would I tell them? I said, man, I want to tell them, Jesus loves you. I just wanted everyone to just go say, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. I just want you to know because if you don't know this, the knowledge of what you learn about him is not gonna matter. You see, you can learn a lot about Jesus, but if you don't know he loves you and the grace that's for you, your knowledge of him is not gonna matter. And I walked right to Richard Miller's office because I know something about our high school principal. He won't let anybody in without telling him, I want you to know Jesus loves you. He's got a plan for you. And I'm just kind of welling up with tears. I'm like, Richard, man, thank you for doing that. Because I know that all that we point him to doesn't matter unless I start with grace and start with love. I'm so grateful for our teachers and our administrators who who continually do that. I'm so grateful for MCP that, that will tell those young people over and over again of a God who is and a God who loves and a God who rescues and the good news of what that God has done for us. You see, knowledge of Jesus begins with grace. It begins with love. It begins with mercy. You cannot learn without love, grace, and knowledge. And lastly, growing together in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's never been, Christianity was never supposed to be an individual sport. It's not a single swim lane. It's us together. You and me, guess what? We're the church. We're those called out of darkness. We are to grow. We are to grow specifically together we are to grow together as the light of the world, so the world will see Jesus through us. We, we are the mosaic, and together, as we come together and we grow in grace and knowledge, they see Jesus and they see the aroma of Christ. That's why we're here. It's why we do what we do as the leaders to help you grow, grow in grace, grow in knowledge. That's why we have our worship services and to worship Him and to teach from God's Word, saying, "This is our authority." That's why we have our community group, so we can know and love one another. And if you're not in one, you should get in one. Because that's how you grow in grace and knowledge, is to be around God's word and his, his people. We have our women's ministry. You know, you have three times during the week where our women meet for Bible study, early in the morning if you need that. Around 9.30 if you need childcare. And at night, there's like 120 of you that are active in that. And I'm just thrilled to death. Our men's ministry on Thursday mornings at 6.30. Um Our school ministry, our our preschool ministry, all the things we do, our student ministry, is to equip you to grow. Grow in grace, grow in knowledge. You know, one thing parents know, that desire to raise healthy kids, it's important what you feed them. It's interesting, being around MCP and OCS, I see some of the things that you feed your kids. I'm thinking, hmm. That's interesting. A, a, a diet of hot dogs and mac and cheese may not be the healthiest thing to feed your kids. If you want them to be healthy, feed them good, healthy food. I had someone leave the early service and said, "All right, he, here's what they said: um, sweet potatoes." I'm like, "What? Feed them sweet potatoes. They need sweet potatoes. It's everything you need. Okay, feed them sweet potatoes. This not just all Lucky Charms." Here's the point: what our father knew that we needed to even partake of. And to eat, to grow healthy, and to grow in grace and knowledge is the table before us. We got a sermon that we're about ready to touch. We got what was called a means of grace. How God in his spirit wants to come and right now through his people, to his people, through this meal, have you grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. He wants you to tangibly touch it, to taste it so that we could grow to be more like Christ. But it's a specific meal. It's only for those who have experienced the grace of God. It's only for those who are able to say, I am a sinner who doesn't deserve it, but boy, have I been rescued and my identity is in him. Do you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If so, come to the table and eat. Come and taste grace. Come and taste what God has done for you in Christ Jesus. It's a meal for those who have knowledge, knowledge of only Je- not only Jesus as savior, but for who you are as sinners. Scripture says, examine yourself. Examine yourself means this, what areas in your life are you not standing on the grace of God and the gospel? What's defining you in shame and brokenness that shouldn't? Examine yourself and apply the gospel. What's identifying you in your success? Repent and apply the gospel, but come and partake. Come and feed. Come and grow. Grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father God, we ask that your spirit would come and do that which only you can do through the giving of our tithes and offerings for the partaking of the Lord's Supper, that God, that we would even now grow Grow in grace as we tangibly touch the bread that is broken to be reminded that for our sin and shame and brokenness, Jesus was broken. As we remember the the wine, the poured out wine it's like the blood of Christ, that because of our sins, Jesus was pierced so that they could be covered and cleansed and so that we could be beloved in Christ Jesus. Help us grow in grace right now. Help us grow in knowledge, knowledge of your love, knowledge of your mercy, and knowledge of your son and all that he has done for us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.